The following is a Barrett Sports Media production. We do the digging so you don't have to. We've got breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Bringing you the biggest stories from the industry you care about. This is the Media Noise Podcast. Well, let's hear it. Now, here's your host, Dimitri Ravanos. today's show before the first round of the NFL draft, but it will not be out until after the first round of the NFL draft. So that is why we are going USFL centric and not NFL draft centric today. By the time you hear this, uh, a lot of draft information or speculation would be out of date, even on the media side of things. So Jason Entz is going to join me to talk gambling on the USFL, and Andy Mazur is going to look at the television presentations. That is coming up in just a moment. But first... Look, as I am recording this, it is draft day, and that is why it is very important today for me to talk about the fact that the movie Draft Day may be the worst sports movie ever made. And I don't hear enough conversation about this on sports radio. I think it would make for a very good topic. The problem is we are, you know, the NFL draft itself is a big deal. We're in the middle of the NBA playoffs. In some markets, the start of the Stanley Cup playoffs is a big deal as well, and also baseball season. Like, this is not Mount Rushmore season in the summer when we would be talking about sports movies, right? Because uncreative shows have nothing else to talk about. But I do think every sports radio station should dedicate a segment on the Thursday of draft, what, weekend now, I guess we call it, to discussing just how bad this Kevin Costner movie is. It is clearly written by people that have never watched the NFL, that maybe are not even familiar with the concept of American tackle football. At one point, three second-round picks are traded for a top-ten pick in the NFL draft. Give me a friggin' break. And on top of that, uh, there's a line in the movie that just annoys the living shit out of me. Not because it has anything to do with sports, but it is a standard line in every sports movie that tells you, oh, the writer has never seen sports before. And it is when Jennifer Garner looks at Kevin Costner's character and says, you see things others don't. That's what I say to that line. Also, the first pick of the draft in the movie Draft Day is a linebacker. Oh my God, this is a bad movie. Jason Entz joining me now as we kick off, I guess, the USFL spectacular edition of uh, of Media Noise. Jason, you wrote this. I mean, it was a great column by, uh, this week about the ethics of gambling on the USFL and the way various companies are approaching giving gambling advice on this league. First of all, as somebody that does a decent amount of gambling that follows this industry. Have you seen anything like this before? Is this pretty common that even as a spring league is brand new, there are still picks and favorites and, and all that kind of stuff in the books in Vegas? Well, I mean, you go back to the beginning of the pandemic when people were betting on people playing Madden online. You know, this has been something where if there is a way to bet on it, people are going to do it. And I don't think that there's an issue with that. I think in and of itself, offering lines and offering gambling odds for people to bet on for a sporting event is perfectly fine. I think what you have to be careful of when you're you know, providing picks and things like that, you have to be really cognizant of the fact that 
you are giving advice on something that you don't know a whole lot about, that you don't have a whole lot of background to go on. And I think it's really important that you stress that if you pass yourself as being this expert on a, on a league that nobody has ever seen a single snap of, I think that's where you start to get into some gray area. And so what did you find out as you were sort of studying the way uh, sites offer their picks and their advice? How much of it is going based on modeling? How much of it is going based on just, you know, something along the lines of, oh, I remember this guy was good in college and that was only a year ago. Yeah, I think I think it depended a lot on the site. You know, there were some sites that they stressed early and often, hey, this is a new league bet with caution, maybe cut your, your betting units in half. Um, here's what we think based on, you know, tendencies of the coaches involved, the, the players that we've got, the quarterbacks we've got, stuff like that. Um, most sites gave those picks out with that bit of caution and didn't charge anything for them or didn't pass themselves off as being the expert in the source. But, you know, as I pointed out in the column, looking at CBS, they charge for their picks. I think it's $100 a year, but they're putting USFL picks behind a paywall and then claiming that their picks are expert picks. And that, for me, is where you cross the line of giving some fun gambling advice to being a bit unethical. Is is that a matter, in your opinion, of CBS not wanting to give anything away for free? Because you also looked at OutKick, right? And OutKick is owned by Fox. The USFL is owned by Fox. To me, it would make a lot of sense if anyone was going to put a USFL pick behind a paywall, it would be a Fox-owned property to generate all the profit. That obviously did not happen. Um, what is the deal with, with CBS? I mean, is it a way to profit off of something that they have no relationship to? I mean, the other broadcast partner is NBC, or is this just like, hey, we cannot set the precedent of anything at Sportsline being free? CBS has always put their picks, whether it be for NFL, college football, USFL, or you know any other sport behind a paywall. They'll, they'll write up these very long, in-depth breakdowns, but then they'll tell you at the end of the pick, you know, go here if you want to get the expert pick. And that's fine if that's how you want to do your business model. Again, though, I, I think you have to be careful of how you're advertising that. I think you have to state in the piece, hey, this isn't an expert pick. This is just, you know, our best guess. But I also think there are times where you could put things in front of the paywall, you know, to the fact that, like you said, Fox didn't outkick, didn't now what outkick did that was a little bit kind of towing the line was they heavily promoted points bet in their pieces. And they also dropped their disclaimer after week one stating, hey, this is a new league. And the thing with points bet is that they're the official betting partner of NBC, who is the other broadcasting entity in this. So you're pushing people with heavy promotions, heavy advertising to go bet this event at a sports book when again, you're giving them a pick that's not really based on much knowledge. Have you watched any USFL football? I have not. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I take that back. I think I watched one drive and I just couldn't get into it. You know, it's yes, it's football, but it's it's not a great product, which is to be expected because it's a first year league. But it's also you don't have any ties to it. I think unless it's a, a team that has players you're familiar with or a coach you really like, you know, nobody grew up fans of these franchises and with them all being in one city, I think it's just, it's going to be difficult. So what would your advice be for betting the USFL? Would you say sit out the entire season? 
No, I think you can get enough data after three or four weeks to make some, you know, some educated guesses. I think the biggest thing is that you've got to have enough teams playing other different teams to where you can kind of get a sense of whose style matches up with whose and whose style might be negated by another team's style. You also have to get some data with guys who, quite frankly, are playing together for the first time. You know, this isn't this, these aren't teams that have been together for two, three, four years with a core group of players. These are guys that came together this spring, had some practices, had a bit of a mini camp, didn't have a preseason, and now we're playing their first games ever together. Oh, we continue with the USFL spectacular here on Media Noise this week. Andy Mazer, my guest right now, wrote a wonderful breakdown of Jason Garrett, who I guess, Andy, the plan is to use the USFL to build something bigger. I mean, his tenure as head coach of the Cowboys ended rather unremarkably. Uh, equally, if not more unremarkable, was his run as offensive coordinator of the New York Giants. And it seems like broadcasting is the future, is the plan as a pro in this space. What are, what are your impressions? Ooh, it was a little rough. Uh, you know, that, that first time that I, uh, I watched it, it was, it was tough. I mean, it, it took him a long time to get going. There were times when I watched the Open and I'm looking at this guy, I'm thinking to myself, okay, this is the same guy that was the Cowboys head coach had zero emotion on the field. Right. All he did was clap his hands. And that's all the memes I was watching on, uh, on Twitter uh, when I was doing some research for the article. And I looked at him and it just looked like he was trying too hard and it, it was stiff and it was, uh, it was choppy. Uh, he was searching for things to say and it didn't get much better early on because there were a lot of plays. He didn't talk until it was third down in the first series. Uh, I think yeah. Rollins had the ball first. And it was just, it was off-putting because I'm so used to Troy Aikman. I'm so used to guys like that and Tony Rumble jumping in when they're supposed to jump in because, I mean, everybody that knows anything about television play-by-play uh, -play is that the, the the analyst is the star on TV. I mean, that's that's what it is. As a play-by-play -play guy, you're the traffic cop. You're getting him into things. If he's not getting there, uh, you're getting him out of things when he needs to get out and basically calling the play. But I didn't see a whole lot of give and take in that respect either, which was a little... Uh, disconcerting as well. I, I mean, I, I get Jack Collinsworth is a little young in the business as far as play-by-play -play goes, but those are the kind of things you have to work with your guy. You got to, especially when you're doing rehearsals. They did a bunch of rehearsals in, in Stanford, Connecticut, getting ready for the uh, USFL season, but there was not. It didn't seem like there was a whole lot of uh, a lot of chemistry there, even just for the second time out. So the producer of the USFL broadcast on NBC says that he what he has seen in rehearsals from Jason Garrett makes him think that this guy can be a real star on television. I, I guess the question that I would have there, you mentioned Garrett trying too hard, sort of looking for the smart thing to say. In your experience, obviously there is a difference between rehearsal and the game, right? Is there is there even such a thing as a natural to be on TV or is, is all of the buildup, all of the chance to establish your credibility with your bosses, is it just too different from the real thing to know? You know, there is, there is a, a guys that are natural. I, I really think that Tony Romo is one of those guys that just walked into the booth and it was just, okay, the light's on. He's good. You know, I mean, he's not everybody's cup of tea. I get that, but you know, he's, he does a pretty good job at what, uh, what he's supposed to do. You know, the thing that was a little encouraging and I try to be a little positive uh, uh, in the column as well, because I know this is not an easy thing to do because I've been in the other seat watching guys who have doing, are doing that for the first time struggle. And sometimes as you just kind of let them go, they get better and better 
as a game goes on. They get better and better as the season goes on. So I'm hoping that that's the case because you know, I, I got no ill will towards uh, Jason Garrett. I've never met the man before in my life. I mean, I was just, just kind of giving my honest opinion of what I saw, and it wasn't real good from what I saw. But, you know, third quarter, fourth quarter, he started to get into it a little bit, but then you would jump back. And the biggest the biggest problem I have with a, with a, an analyst, when they have nothing to say, don't say anything. Don't, don't say wow, okay? I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear wow. <laughs> I know wow. I can see wow. Don't tell me wow. Give me a reason why it's wow. Uh, but he he went to that crutch a couple of times, and uh, you know, he had a couple of cliches that I was writing him down to as I was uh, you know playing at a high level, getting better each and every day. Well, that's the object. I mean, I know that. That's 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 pretty obvious. You know, go ahead and you know give me a reason why. Tell me something that he's done better. Yeah. You know, the the last thing I would ask you here is looking at this from NBC's perspective. Mm -hmm. This seems like a really smart move because the USFL is owned by Fox. Uh, I I don't think they're paying a whole lot in terms of rights fees for the USFL. Like if there was ever a chance to see, can we jump on the Cowboys broadcasting bandwagon and see what we have here? Like this is the time to do it, right? Yeah, yeah. No, it's true. It's it's the truth. I mean, like you, you almost wish they had done this with Drew Brees, so that they knew a little bit more what they were getting, rather than you know using a Notre Dame game as a tryout. Yeah, and that's that's a hot you know that's a hot seat to be in. I mean, Notre Dame fans are passionate. They don't want it. They don't want any messing around, especially from, from a Purdue guy. You know? Yeah, good point. You know, they're not going to give him a whole lot of slack uh, in that case, too. But yeah, I mean, if it's a training ground, it's a training ground. It's almost like the it's like double A baseball or triple A baseball. And you, <laughs> yeah, you kind of see what you have there. You know, I wouldn't close the book completely on him. I mean, I I, I liked what I like again. I liked what I, uh, what I was hearing a little bit more toward the end. But what I'd like to really see is that you know Jack Collinsworth get to understand that hey, your analyst needs you at the beginning of that game. I'm never a proponent. I mentioned this in the column. I never like to interview my color commentator. But you know what? Sometimes you got to do it so that they feel like they're part of things. They, they feel like they're part of things from the very beginning of the broadcast. And then you can kind of give the nonverbals, you know, look at them, point at them, just you know, tell them to, you know, continue to move on, keep going, or, hey, you know, that's enough. It comes with working with a guy for a while, and it comes from in time. And hopefully, you know, the both of them can gel together because you know, that, that'd be a decent team. I mean, it's a recognizable couple of names. And, you know, I, if I'm NBC, I'm hoping that this all works out. I mean, I wonder how much NBC is actually worried about, forget the early games, the entire season. I mean, nothing in the booth can be as bad as what is on the field, right? Oh, God. And you know, that that's another thing, too. And, I, you know, I, I I tried to allude to that in the column without really calling out the, the league for being <laughs> as bad as it really is. Yeah. You know, I remember the original league. I mean, I remember watching the Chicago Blitz uh, here in, in town when uh, my little league games were on the same field that they were working out on at a high school <laughs> that I was supposed to go to. The one that they filmed the Breakfast Club at, by the way, just yeah. in case you're really wondering. But uh, yeah, I, I'm trying to. I was trying to remember. I thought that that football was a little bit better. I, I don't know if, if maybe it's just because my memory is is you know uh, around there because I watched more of it. Man, that football was bad. <laughs> All right, that will do it for us this week. Obviously, it was a busy week at the website. Man, did we get a lot of breaking news. We didn't even have time to get into Sage Steele suing her employer at ESPN. I think we probably want to let some facts come out, some decisions be made before we dive into that. But that is certainly something we're keeping an eye on for next week. We'll talk to you then. This concludes our broadcast day. Thanks for listening to the Media Noise Podcast with Dimitri Ravanos. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. And check back soon for new episodes. To stay up to date on the latest sports media happenings, 
visit BarrettSportsMedia.com.